Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Body of Christ Real Talk. Thank you, thank you, and welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, everyone. All around the world, I like to say hello, hello. Hello to my Spanish listeners. If you're listening, I'd like to say hello, hola, hola, como esta, to all my Spanish listeners. That's the, basically the languages I, I know okay, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know all the international languages. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk, the Body of Christ Real Talk. I had uh, a couple of experiences today, not me personally. But on my way home from my work, because I take the bus while I was on the bus going home and on my way home, getting off work, I observe a lot of things. And, you know, whether it's a conversation, not being nosy, but you can't help but hear conversations and different things like that. So uh, I was riding on the bus. And when I sat down, when I sat in front of this young man, uh, this young black man, he was on the phone. He looked at me and I looked back at him. He was on uh, the phone. And he just kept repeating, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Literally, that's how he sounded. He kept saying, I'm tired. I am so tired. And I can't help but hear it because I'm, I'm just anxious. I literally inches in front of him and the seats up front, in front of him. And he kept uh, saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. And uh, I didn't know why, but uh, he kept, you know, rambling about he was tired and stuff like that and had his head down and had his arm in front and on the side of the seat that was in front of me. And then he said, I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired. And he, he said, I'm, I'm throwing my dope. I, I've been doing this too long. I'm, I threw my dope away. First, he said he threw his dope away. Whatever dope it was, I don't know. Uh, he said he threw his dope. I thought he said he threw his dope away. But as he was going on and going on, he was continuing to say, yeah, I need to get myself together, something like that. I don't remember word by word. But he was saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. You know, he said, I'm going to throw this dope away. And when the bus stopped, he got up. He was saying, thank you. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, yeah, yeah. 
thank the Lord, thank the Lord and stuff like that. And as he was walking to the front door, he said, hey, everybody, look, I'm throwing this dope away. And he had a package in his hand. It probably was marijuana, you know, what they call loud today here in Chicago. But it's probably some marijuana. I don't know. I, I can't say. But whatever it was, it was a bag or something. He slung it on the outside. Well, it looked like he did anyway. I don't know. He could have held it in his hand. But I believe he slung it on the outside. He threw it in a, out the door. And he came back. And he was like somewhat crying. Talking about, I'm tired. I've been doing dope since I was 17. He said, I'm 60 years old. He wasn't talking to me. He was just talking to whoever he was talking to on the phone. It sounded like a young lady because he had an on loud speaker. So he was saying, I'm tired. I've been doing this too long. I've been doing this since I was 17. And he said, I was 60 years old. And I looked at him. He, was, he looked older than 60 because I'm 59. And uh, I don't mean this in a bad way, but he looked at older than 60. That probably had to do for uh, have to do with his hard life and the drugs and drink or whatever. I don't know if he drank or not, but he was talking about he'd been doing dope, whatever dope it was, since he was 17 years old. And he's tired. He's tired. I don't know if it was something the young lady on the other end was saying, but he kept saying, you right, you right, I'm tired, you right, I've been doing this too long. It could have been. I don't know who the young lady was. But as he was sitting back down, I was going to turn around and give him a little fist bump. Let's say, you know how we do when we say, man, you are right. I preach. Yeah, that's good that you're done. But he didn't give me no eye contact, eye contact. So I didn't want to force the issue because I don't know how people are. You know, but I wanted to extend him a hand and just say, you've done a good thing. Don't feel bad. You've done the right thing. That's a good step. But I didn't even go that far. I just left alone, you know. And, uh, you know, why is I'm saying this? Now, he said he just bought that dope. Whatever type of dope it was, I don't know. He just bought that bag of dope. And he threw it out. Now, was he high when he done it? I, I don't know. Because a, a lot of people do things when they high and whatever like that. Or he was just genuinely, sincerely hurt and tired by whatever that young lady was telling him. It convicted him. And she might have been, I don't know if she was a, a church woman or a believer or whatever, but he was saying, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. He was trying to quote some scriptures, you know, not correctly, but I'm, just, I'm assuming that she probably was just talking to him about the Lord or just saying different things. I don't know. But, he, you know, for him to be saying that right there, maybe he just got touched or convicted or whatever that made him do that. But either way it go, you know, that was a, a the step that he made. Look like he was genuinely repentant. He was generally, his heart was generally broken. Contrite heart, like the Bible talks about a contrite heart. It looked like he was genuinely hurt and bothered. How long was going to last? I don't know. That's not the point I'm trying to make. My point is, looking at that, uh, that example of that young man talking about I'm tired. That's how many got to come to Jesus for genuine salvation. You have to have a tired heart. First, you got to uh, believe that you are a sinner. You don't have to confess it because your sins already been dealt with 2,000 years ago. But you got to believe and admit that you are a sinner. Now, he didn't say that. I'm just using this as an allegory. A broken and contrite heart. When you come to God, is a showing of true repentance, change of mind. That's what I mean by repentance. It's the first showing of true 
repentance, changing your mind. Now, the term repentance means you change your mind. It's just like you, you, you're you turning the other way now. You decided, not so much of a U-turn, but you decided to look another way or you decided to go another way. You're tired of going left. Now I want to go right. See, that's when you, you'll change your mind. You want to change your direction. You want to change your lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying this guy is going to do all that because I don't know him from Adam. My point is, Anybody that came to Jesus, everyone that came to Jesus for true salvation, especially under this dispensational grace, grace, and I mentioned this before, they came with that type of what that young man was talking about. I'm tired. They was tired of their wicked ways. They was tired the way they was living. Whatever they was doing, dope or drinking or whatever, smoking or whatever. See, it could have been some simple as smoking for some people, but they're tired. He said he was 60, one year older than me, but he looked a little bit older than 60 because when I first lived with him, I thought he was just an older guy, but he was he was just one year over, over older than me because he said he was 60. He's been smoking dope since he was 17. I thought about that because I was smoking dope when I was 17. Matter of fact, I was smoking dope, a marijuana that was when I was 14, you know, but I stopped in the mid-80s, see? Just think about it. From 17, he was smoking dope. All the way till if if he become if he just really submit to a true repentance or change his mind, you know, he's been smoking dope since he was seventeen and he's been doing it and he's sixty now. And just think that you smoking dope all the way, no stop. You just jealous when you've been on dope. And just imagine what that does to your body, not only your body, but what that does to your mind of smoking dope, whatever type of dope it is. I don't know if you drink, but if you mix that in with drinking and smoking cigarettes, just imagine for all those years since 17 doing dope, what it has done to his mind and your body. And you have people out there today that's struggling with substance uh, abuse. Not, and it don't have to be substance as in drugs or cigarettes or alcohol. It could be sexual it could be anger. It could be homosexuality. It could be uh, just just whatever, fornication, adultery, anything. You've been doing this for so long and you are tired. Now, how far is this young man going to go far, you know, uh, seeking out, trying to get, you know, uh, close to the Lord? I don't know. I don't know. But the point is just that picture right there. It's the way a man and woman has to come to God for true salvation. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to stop anything because you cannot stop sinning. See, that's not required for salvation under the dispensation of grace. That's not required for salvation. <laughs> Excuse me. Under the dispensation of grace. Okay. And, uh, but a repent of heart. What they mean? A broken heart, a contrite heart. See, when you come with a contrite heart and you ask the Lord to save you by believing what he done, his death, burial, resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, the gospel, uh, the gospel for today, the only way to be saved today is believing what he did. See, that's true salvation because you come in with a repentive, like I mentioned a lot, a repentive, a repentative and a broken, contrite heart. See, 
Okay, I wanted to just talk about that. Now, not only that, but as he was doing that, it was this young lady. She was looking back. I don't know if she was laughing or crying. I really don't know. She kept looking back. She gave me eye contact, and I gave her eye contact. Eye contact, because this was a serious thing to me. I really wanted to talk to the guy. But at the same time, he was on the phone, so I didn't, I didn't go there. I don't try to force uh uh, witnessing on nobody and everything. I like the Holy Spirit to leave me and leave the doors open. If I believe the doors are not open, I'm not going to force the issue. You know, for somebody else, maybe that young lady already planted a seed. You know, maybe she did. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know if, who he was talking to. But I'm just speculating. But that's the way you come to the Lord. You have to have a broken, contrite heart. You just can't say, "Well, I'm finna get saved because I don't want to go to hell." It, it don't work like that. It's something you are tired of in your life and you want a change. And the only way you can get that spiritual change is believing what Jesus did for you. Not who he was, but believing what he did for you. Okay. Now, that's, uh, that's just, uh, something I wanted to, to talk about that, you know, Okay. With all that said, I want to continue on the series of spiritual obesity, spiritual obesity, because as you think about that, there's a lot of uh, believers. Now, I talked about the believers today. Let's talk about there's a lot of church goers that are not saved in churches, the four walls of the church denominations. There's a lot of people in church that's struggling today. They're confused. And they're traditionally struggling in churches, especially the ones that have been in church over 10, 20, 30 years. And they, they seem in prison in that denomination. And uh, they're struggling. They know it's something that's not right. They really know that. They know according if they read their Bible. And I'm assuming some of them do. Uh, that goes to the church. They're not saved. They just go there and they're noticing that what the, the pastor is preaching is not lining up with the Bible. They're reading. It's not lining up with God's word. Many people in the church, believers and unbelievers, see that. Most of the time, uh, the majority of the time, is believers because they have a rejuvenated spirit. Their spirit is made alive. But when you have a dead spirit, you can just you will uh, take in anything that whatever the pastor is ministering. But even then, you don't need to have a spirit alive to see something in that Bible that does not make sense and does not line up with what that pastor is or what the pastor is saying. I mean, does not line up what the words in that book is saying. Even a person that's not saved can see that. An atheist can see that. See that it's not lining up. They knock things like that all the time, especially when it comes to signs and wonders and miracles and healings, which I want to continue on with today. They hear these things in the churches. They see these things in churches. They see, especially Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches. Uh, many unbelievers see this. See, many unbelievers, the unsaved, see this. And they can see, and I know they can see contradictions in the Word of God. I used to see it in the Word of God. When I was growing up in the Church of God in Christ, I wasn't saved. 
but it was hard for me to swallow what was going on. And it wasn't so much the doctrine because I didn't know about church doctrine or what was true and what was not. And I didn't know nothing about rightly dividing, nothing like that. I just somewhat believed what the pastor is saying, not full-heartedly even at that time, but I believed somewhat what the pastor, my pastor was the majority of the time, the preacher was my grandpapa, what he was saying. But the, a lot of the symbols, symbolisms and the things they was talking about, especially when it comes to spiritual gifts and tongues and stuff like that. I was hard to swallow it. The reason it was hard to swallow because I just did not see it happening in my church. I seen a lot of testimonies that people got healed this way or they used to be sick and they had a headache and those type of, you know, testimonies or something like that. You know, I don't remember all of it, but I never seen nothing miraculous. I'm just talking about me. I never seen nothing miraculous. I heard a lot of talk. Or I heard I, I heard a lot of other people testify, uh, having a testi- a testimony uh, about somebody else, not themselves, but something happened in sister such and such a life. Something happened in brother brother such and such a life. But it was it was not so much the personal person that something happened. And their life, like uh, uh, compared to somebody else's life, you know, I heard a lot of those things like that. So it was all it was usually not always, but usually somebody else, you know, and I used to see a lot of things in church, a lot of things I don't remember when they talked about the dress codes, it's mainly for the women and different things like that. They talked about it, the, the, the majority of the messages was hell and damnation and everything. But I heard a lot of talk about miracles and healings and stuff like that, how God will move this way and how God is doing it, how God's wrath is going to. I heard that type of talk. But even though it scared me, and it almost scared me to the point that I didn't want that. God seems mean. Jesus seems nice. That's the way I looked at it. Jesus seemed like he was nice and good, but God seems mean. I separated him because of the message I was getting from the pulpit. It made to me, not saying they done it purposely because a lot of them was not educated and they preached out of ignorance. You know, it made like God was the main one and Jesus was the nice one taken up for us. That's what it looked like. I didn't I didn't know nothing about the triune or whatever like that. So now what this had to do with signs, miracles, and wonders is traditionally traditionally in the church, and let me speak to my denomination. Traditionally traditionally I can't get my words out in a Pentecostal and later on in the charismatic churches where I got most of my uh my Bible learning and teaching from not only in the churches, but, you know, men and women on television like TBN and different things like that, you know, Paul and Jan Crouch and stuff like that, the Word of Faith movement. That's the majority of my upbringing spiritually is from a lot of that teaching, Pentecostal and Word of Faith teaching. So whenever you invent a type of atmosphere of teaching, you're going to get a lot of dogma about signs, wonders, miracles, and then the charismatics, a lot of prosperity teaching, you know. And as I look back and I look into that, uh, you know, and stuff like that, I have to admit from me, I just did not see that stuff happening. I just faked it. You know, you heard the term fake it till you make it. <laughs> a lot of us was doing that. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just what's not happening. 
We see people running around. We see people claiming things. We see people getting raises on their jobs. And, and I didn't put two to two together to look back that a lot of things was happening in the world the same way. People getting raised on their job. People finding this. People doing this. The same things was happening to the unsaved that it was with the saved people. And later on down the years, I started thinking about that when it came to science and so-called miracles or especially the prosperity message. Because I was saying, wow, I'm seeing a lot of things happening in the world that they are getting somewhat blessings more than the church folk or the ones that's supposed to be walking with God or supposed to have the faith in God in these churches. And as I put two to two together, you know, that that didn't, my journey started before that of questioning the doctrine. I know I didn't go up to the pastor, but I started questioning, <clears throat> excuse me, the doctrine. Even more, it started off what I did not see happening, what they preached just wasn't happening in the church, and especially in my life. It all it usually was all somebody else. And that time in the charismatic churches, it always seems like God is blessing the pastor. It used to always seem like God is moving only through the pastor. Why is the pastor only getting blessed? Why come the pastor only have, they have the nice houses and whatever like that and et cetera and stuff like that? Why the majority of con the congregation is not being blessed like that? It seemed like it was almost like a pyramid from the pastors, from the elders, from the deacons. They seemed to be doing okay, you know, but when it got down to the pyramid, you know, that find the bottom, the congregation, the majority of the congregation was struggling. Even though they were somewhat paying tithes and giving offerings, they was struggling. A lot of these things wasn't happening in their life, but it seemed like it was only happening in the pastor's life and maybe some of the elders and stuff. Just like a pyramid, you know, the multi-level pyramid scheme and business. That's how a lot of churches work. See, you, if you've been in business and you know about a pyramid, the pyramid is like the pyramids, like King Tut, the pyramids they built in Egypt, you know, the top to the bottom, it gets wider. And then uh, the top person always be the the, uh, the founder, usually be the one always going to get the blessings or get the majority of the income because everybody under him, even under them at the bottom, everything comes back to the top. That's how it is in a lot of churches. This is just an allegory now. This, uh, this how it is in a lot of churches, all the way up to the mega church. From the littlest church to the mega church, it seems like the pastor always get blessed more. Now, they, a lot of pastors would say because they're pastoring, and that's why you need to take care of them. They use some of the verses of the Apostle Paul and everything like that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the wheat and everything. That means the ones that's bringing the message he's deserved of, you know, being taken care of and stuff like that. I'm just literally uh, laymanly saying that. Not laymanly but uh, uh, paraphrasing, you know, so they used certain verses and scriptures and stuff like that to justify why they are getting blessed and why they need to be taken care of. And then they will say that it's a move of God because how much faith they get. And you saying to yourself, wow, it's even worse than when you know they, they, you know they secret lifestyle. But I'm not talking about that. My point is, 
I, I lived through that the majority of my life. And it seems, it almost seems like, you know, if I, be, if I believe that, they're saying God had favoritism with the pastors more than the other flock. And he had a special anointing they used to talk about only on the pastors. I remember, remember Benny Hinn, the faith healer out there. Yes, he's fake. False teacher, he's a faith healer. Benny Hinn. When I was watching TBN said that one time, he used that verse about the anointing, don't touch God's anointing. Way out of context, I didn't know that then because I was still ignorant in the word of God. I know how to write the divide. But he was using that as an example because I guess people was talking about him and saying he was a false teacher and stuff like that. And he was, uh, I think it has something to do with that. I'm not sure. I don't want to use him as a straw man. But anyway, he used that. And I believe us uh, other ministers used that too because they was amen and don't, in other words, don't say nothing wrong or don't uh, say nothing bad about God's anointed. He was putting himself as an anointed one, as the one God called to be the anointed one. So you can't say nothing bad about them or God will do this. God will do that. I don't remember word for word what he said because I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you know Benny Hinn, especially back then in the 80s and whatever, like that when TBN with Jan and Paul Crouch was really into it because I, I was a TBN fan. And I'm not saying all the preaching was bad, you know. I stopped thinking about that because I stopped following Kenneth Hagin. I'm, I almost went to Rhema Bible Church and I started, you know, uh, I got caught up. And I'm going to say something that a lot of people probably be upset about, but as I know about it now, it was almost like an, a, a cult. Almost like a Jim Jones movement or something like that without the murdering and killing and everything. But the only difference is it was spiritual murder. It was spiritual suicide that the people was committing, including myself then. It was spiritual. We was drinking that spiritual juice just like they did in Guyana. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. With Jim Jones, if you remember Jim Jones, physically, they committed suicide. They was forced, and I, I found a laying on down the line, a lot of them didn't want to do it, but they had men around them with guns. It's almost like some of these denominations, now you feel imprisoned spiritually. And it's like uh, a spiritual suicide. You're drinking that poison Kool-Aid. You want to leave it, but you are afraid because you think you're sinning against God. You're thinking this, whatever, like that. Just the way some of them got too much, too attached to the man, a man. Most churches are more attached to a man 
or a woman than they are to God. And you can uh, commit spiritual adultery, not adultery, adultery, A-D-O-L, you know, adultery, by worshiping the pastor or worshiping the evangelist. See, even though you know good and well, like myself, you never seen physically in your church those supernatural signs and wonders. You always heard it from it was happening somewhere else in another country or it's happened at some other big church or in somebody else's church like Kenneth Hagin or Copeland churches, but it never happened in the church I went to. See, all this come together in my head now. So I re- I start, that's what made me start questioning things. And I kept saying, man, it got to the point I started questioning that, man, is God really doing, is God, God is not doing this. I never really questioned God because I always believed there was a God. I never doubted that. But I doubted if these are called miracles, God got to stoop this low to do these fake kind of things and whatever like that. I couldn't go there. I just cannot believe that. I was confused. It's when it came to the signs and wonders and so what healing and prosperity and my and the Pentecostal churches and the charismatic churches I came up through. Okay. I'm talking about this because this goes in with being obesity in the church. There's a lot of be- believers, the body of Christ. Uh, let me start off with the unsafers again. Why many people that used to go to church that are not saved don't go to church anymore. They get away from those churches, especially the Pentecostal and Charismatic churches. Because a lot of their emphasis is on signs, wonders, healings, miracles, and prosperity. And, uh, they put up a lot of money. They they pay tithes. You got some churches take up double tithes. They done it in my church. They used to talk about a double tithe. Then you got this pastor talking about you supposed to tithe your gross and not your net and stuff like that. You ever heard that? You supposed to and stuff like that. Or you plant this type of seed in God. The more you plant, the more you will be blessed and stuff like that. And God's going to move in your finances. He's going to move in your health. And I I used to believe that. Then I started doubting down the line. You know, I start. It was almost like. Let me let me put it this way. I start drinking the Kool Aid, but knowing it was a lie. No, it wasn't right because it just was not happening. Even when I was in the Church of God in Christ, and I, I gave this testimony, this story before, when I woke up at night and I start talking this crazy language, I thought it was tongues, but. The knowledge I know now, it was not tongues. It was a spirit, but it wasn't a Holy Spirit. I'm not saying I was possessed, but it wasn't a Holy Spirit. It was just, I believed it and wanted that that experience so much, I got something that I wasn't looking for. And that's what all the people that's talking this crazy language. Something got them talking that, but it's not the Holy Spirit. I do not doubt what they're, the manifestation that's coming out of here, I just question the spirit, and I know it's not the Holy Spirit. They've been oppressed. Most of it, listen to me closely, most of it is the flesh. 
because you can you can want something so bad they call it psychosomatics. You can want something so bad till you start feeling those certain feelings. You start feeling certain things around you, you know, good and bad, and you can make yourself do some weird, quiet, crazy things because it's almost like you're drawing in that influence or that that influence of those spirits, you know. Now all that was going on in the church, even when I was in a Pentecostal church and everything like that, you know. So traditionally. Uh, the some members, whatever position, whether it's a family church or whether it's just a denominational church, they go go to over twenty, thirty years, are caught up in prison. And I remember a minister told me that the only reason he's uh he still is at that church because his father and the pastor. When I first left Church of God in Christ, a minister. Uh, Minister Gordon was his name. Uh, you know, very, very beautiful brother in Christ, and uh, in spirit. You know, why he? I remember he said the only reason he was staying at his church is because his father was the pastor. Now, what he meant by that, I don't know, but that's what he—that's what—that was his kickback to me. You know, I don't want to speculate. I knew why I was leaving. But when he came back like that, the reason he's standing because his dad is there. So maybe um, I don't want to speculate why he said that. But that was yeah, was that was uh, very profound when he said that. Well, anyway, this this struggle that's in the church, and not only Pentecostal church and charismatic, but Protestant church in general. We're not going to even get into the demonic Catholic church, but I'm just talking about Protestant churches. You have that strangle stronghold, no matter what church it is, uh, Pentecostal, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, it's all kind of spirits and traditional uh, chain holding in these churches. So they are caught up in so much traditional denominationalism. Most of them is the kingdom program which is icing on a cake is man-made traditions added on to that, just like the Catholic Church and all, close to all denominations. And I mean that literally, close to all denominations. Okay? Now, spiritual obesity. The ones that i done a, a, a show yesterday, and I ended off, I believe, in Isaiah... Was it Isaiah 61 to 3? I believe I left out in Isaiah 61 and 3. For if you are new and you want to hear more of the beginning of the series, because there's a lot in this series, man. I mean, it's a lot in this series. You, you have to really, really get to it and listen to it over and over and write verses and scriptures down. It's very important. I want you to do that tonight to first have your Bible, preferably. If you're listening to me, please, I just ask. I'm not begging you. If you don't have a King James, invest in one. It will be worth it. I'm not telling you to get rid of your Bible, but invest in a King James Version Bible. Because the majority of the time, that's what I'm going to be using. And if we're not using the same Bible or same translation, you're still not going to get it. You're still not going to get it because even when you follow along, now, once in a while, I will use the Living Bible for uh, more plain clarity 
for a lot of my listeners because they don't understand the King James language. They have to grow on that. So I don't like to push nobody. But what I do recommend for the ones that download my show, whether you're a follower or not, uh, if you don't have a King James Bible, just invest in one. And just for uh, following alone purposes, give it a try. You will be amazed, especially if you are a believer, what the Holy Spirit can teach you out of the King James more than he, more than he can out of the other translation. Now, what I'm not saying is not that he's not he cannot move through that translation. It depends if the translation lines up with his word. So you have to remember that God does not move through no translation, no matter how good it sounds, no matter what you use, Greek or Hebrew. If it's not lining up with his word, you know, period, he doesn't move through that. Did you know that? I don't care what translation it is, you know, the NIV, the Amplified, the New American Standard, the New Living Bible, the mess, whatever translation you have, if it's not lining up with the true word of God. Whatever uh, Greek or Hebrew, whatever you using, God is not moving through that translation. If it's somewhat lining up with His Word, yes, He will open it up more to you. So that's why God, you can get saved through another translation. Some people might not believe that, but I believe you can. I believe people, yeah, lots of people got paid saved through a, another translation if it lined up especially the gospel with his word. If it's not lined up with the gospel of his word, then you're not saved. Ouch. That might hurt a lot of people, but my opinion, I believe you have a better chance to understanding how to rightly divide and the gospel through the King James Version. At least give it a chance. I believe the Holy Spirit moves more stronger through the King James Version. Bible. That's my opinion and my take, and I don't think I'm wrong. You might disagree. It's okay. You know, ain't no love lost, but that's just me. You might have a stronger on your Bible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God don't move through that translation, but all I am saying is if it's not lined up with the Word of God or if things are tucking out, God is not moving in that translation. He's not moving through you through that translation. You cannot take no tittle or nothing out of the word of God. You cannot take no T-I or take the dot off the I, nothing when it comes to the word of God. He's that precise. And I believe the King James Version is the closest to the translation of the word of God. Okay, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. All right. So if you lease your... My recommendation is get a King James Bible and follow along. You know, I just ask you, this is not a mandatory thing or whatever, but since I use that more and I will let you know if I'm using a living translation, <clears throat> I recommend to get a King James Bible. Okay. Okay. All right. Going forward, signs and wonders. I'm going to do a little more on this and then I'm going to get into forgiveness. And that's going to be very controversial and powerful but biblical. I'm going to use verses and scriptures. You you go for there, but make sure you have your pen or pencil and notebook 
Number one thing is your Bible, though, and go along with me, okay? Now, my last show, I tried to get into the beginnings. What was the reason why? Remember, I asked the question. Why did God use signs and wonders? Remember, I asked that question. And do you remember the second question I asked? Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Do you remember? Let me give you a little. Let me give you a little help because I'm not trying to throw no secret hidden message to you. The second message I ask a question you should ask is, who did God work His miracles through? Who, as, and what group of people did God work His signs and wonders and miracles through? That's very important. The why and the who. He worked it through because that's very important. Once you know that, you will have an idea why God moved in and he's not moving now, today. Let me say that again. You will have somewhat of an idea why God moved that way then compared to what he's not doing today. That's what I'm trying to get you all to see. I had to learn this myself. I was taught this by some of my favorite teachers and I've done a search of myself and it lined up. See, so those two questions are very important. Why did God do the miracles? You should know the why by now. To show that he was God. To show that he was their king then. Remember, God was their king until Israel stopped begging for a physical king. That's how they wind up with the first king of Israel, Saul. Remember that story in the book of Samuel? First Samuel? I said it wound up with Saul, the first king of Israel. It was the, it was never God's plan for Israel to have a physical human king. He was going to be their king. Their theocracy. God was their king. He the one moved them out of Egypt and everything. Israel was the only nation that did not have kings. Only Gentile nations had kings. Israel's king was God, Jehovah, I am. That was their king. But they kept begging Samuel for a king, a king, a king, which I believe Samuel was the last of the judges. They kept begging for Samuel, Samuel, for a king like the nations, the other nations. 
So Samuel complained to God and God said, don't be upset. I'm just paraphrasing, upset with them. They're not upset with you. They're not mad at you. They're, they're, they're not disobeying you. They're disobeying me. In other words, something like that. So go ahead and give them their king. That's it. But he told them what was going to happen. So that's how they wind up with Saul, the first king of Israel. The prophesied king or the king that was really meant to be, wind up being, you know, King David, which is the seed where Jesus came from out of that seed, King David. Saul was not really the chosen king. He was a king they kept asking for and they wind up getting something that they didn't want. It's just like about the law. They said they will follow the law all the way. They didn't want to keep talking about what they're going to do with the law. So God gave them that law. But they opened their mouth. It's the same what happened when they opened their mouth about the king. They wind up with Saul, who wind up wicked and losing his mind after a while. See? But you read First Samuel. Oh, very good. Good book. Read First Samuel. Good book. It's just not a story. It's history. It's all about the Jews. But let me digress. The signs and wonders. The bigger signs, God, through Abraham, let's start there. Let's not go back to the fallen man, but let's go back to Abraham, which is Genesis 12. The, uh, the Abraham, the Hebrew, the Gentile, you know, because there was no Jews then. They came through the tribes under Jacob, the Jews. And uh, you read it, and you don't see a lot of spectacular signs and miracles, but you see some great things God is doing. Not only the destroying of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he, which was just, which is a wonder. See, it's a miracle, as, 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 of course, but it was a wonder when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What was another wonder that he done before that? Could you do you remember the first time the earth was destroyed through the flood, through Noah? Why was that a wonder? What made that so incredible? Because it never rained. There was no such thing as rain. These was watered by the mist of the ground, not coming out of the sky. That's the first time water came out of the sky. Before that, it just was a certain mist, according to the earlier Genesis. It was like a mist that was hovering that made the things, you know, develop. But this was the first time the water came out of the sky. That's why a lot of them, I believe, did not believe it. They didn't, they, they didn't believe uh, Noah's message, and God gave them over 120 years. Now, many people think that's supposed to be the age of man. Now, they ain't got nothing, I used to believe that, too. They ain't got nothing to do uh, how long a man is supposed to live, 120 years. That was how, many how much time God gave them get themselves together had nothing to do with their age because you have to remember how long was man living then Noah died what what 500 years old close to 600 years old people lived a long time the oldest person in the bible was Methuselah 960 years old do you think you had Jerry then you had uh, Adam and all that so you know that should tell you God wasn't talking about how long a man was going to live because Noah was what when he first started, close to what five hundred years old. Then, so that nips that in the bud. It didn't have nothing to do with that. But we believe that we was traditionally told that there was a, the the uh, the maximum year that a man would live. But that that was wrong. Okay. Well, anyway, that first wonder when God destroyed the earth with water. It wasn't so much of the water, it's just that wasn't heard of there. Not water itself, but coming out of the sky like that. See? Then you think about Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, now let's talk about another sign, another wonder that happened to the nations, Gentile nations, before the Jewish people. Nimrod, remember the uh, Babel, Babel, 
the Tower of Babel. What did God do then? He confused their language miraculously. Miracle. He confused because all the nations, and it wasn't a whole lot of nations, but the nations that was then, you know, uh, spoke the same language. There was no different language. They all was the one. They spoke the same language. So their knowledge got so strong when they was talking about building a tower to the heavens. I just mean, I don't know if they was talking about literally the heavens because I don't believe that would have never happened, but I'm just talking about, in other words, their knowledge was getting so high, they was trying to make themselves like God. That's the way I look at it. So God confused their language. I'm not going to do a long teaching on this. So he confused their language. That's what the name Babel. Babel means confusion. When you look it up, Babel means confusion. So that he confused all the languages and they splattered out and that's how all the nations and the Gentile nations came apart and they started growing and whatever like that. And so, you know, family unrise. But you got to look at those things in the Bible. Before the Jews came along, God done wonders through those nations, Gentile nations. Why? They was the only one on earth then from the family of Adam. They was the only ones on earth. God had to move that way. There was no Bible. There was no books to read. So God had to move that way. From all the way then, since the fall of man, going into Abraham, God used certain miracles and stuff like that because man had no book to read or there's nothing they can read to say, God said, do this like we do today. So he had to move that way for them to believe who he was, because everybody, man did not see God face to face. God is invisible. So they had to believe him by faith. And only when someone you cannot see, you're not going to obey them too much. You're going to doubt them, right? Unless they do something very miraculous to prove you that your eye cannot deny. That's how it was early Gentiles going through Israel. Because they cannot see God face to face. Now, did Adam and Eve ever see God face to face? The Bible did not say. They maybe have. But did he come in the form of Jesus? That's a possibility. Some grace believers and people believe that. But I don't know. I don't want to speculate. You know, they walk with God. But did they know how God really look? I don't know. I don't think so. I believe it's probably in the form of Jesus. The form have Jesus really look. You know, I don't know. So I'm just speculating. But my point is, God is invisible. He was manifested in the flesh through Jesus Christ. See? So that's the only, only person of the face of, they close to seeing God was Jesus. But that wasn't really, remember, that was just a, 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 a temple or a frame that God used, a human frame. Well, let me digress and get back to where I'm going because all right so you see where I'm going if you read your Bible you know early through the Gentiles God done miraculous things that's how things got to move we wouldn't be this far if God didn't do nothing miraculous or especially speaking things in existence you know all those things you cannot ignore God spoke things in existence the earth the heavens and everything he spoke it into existence that's a miracle. That's not a sign. Those miracles and wonders. So God always performed miracles and wonders, not only for the Jews, but he was doing that since creation. See, how do we know that? We believe it by faith. We wasn't there. 
but we believe it by faith. See, now did God speak it in our spirits and tell us that no? How do we find out about it? We read it through his word. You understand? He it was when it was written down. So we had a we had a more uh better way of understanding God than they had in time past. They didn't have no Bible. They had to believe God literally by faith. God had to make certain appearances and certain, uh, you know, certain appearances and using angels and using things like that and whatever to get his message through. That's why angels moved more then. In time past, that's why the Holy Spirit done miraculous things then more in time past. It had to be done anyway for them. That was the only way for them to obey God by signs and wonders, even starting then. But when it got to the Jewish people, you know, after Abraham going into Exodus with the law, when God finding his his the people came to fruition, you know, through the lineage of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the tribes of Judah came out of there. <clears throat> Going up until the end of Genesis, after Joseph and stuff like that, then they had to get out of Egypt. God rescued them out of Egypt, and he had to get them set up. And order for them, they, they, they was looking for, but for order, because of their unbelief, because they never seen him physically, God used signs and wonders and miracles to prove that he was real and he was their God. He done a lot of things. He spoke over the mountain, Mount Sinai, and they couldn't handle that. God done all types of signs and wonders and miracles through Israel. God is a God of signs, wonders, and miracles, especially time past. Because you probably never heard this this type of teaching before, but it's the Bible when you read the Bible. You have to understand God done all his signs and wonders through Israel because they didn't have no playbook like we got today. See, we can read the past, present, and future in the Bible now. They did not have that. They had to really literally believe by faith and see signs and wonders. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that's why Jews always look for signs and wonders. See, you, you follow what I'm saying? Is it making it more clear to you now? Now, going forward, because I'm taking a long time, going forward through Exodus and all the way through the prophets. How did God speak through the prophets? 
Yes, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, correctly? Why did he have to speak through them that way? They didn't have no written word to follow and obey. So God miraculously spoke through the prophets. All the prophets, the major and the minor prophets. And the majority of the time, it was just prophesying and become a Messiah, Jesus. So God miraculously spoke through them, prophesying, foretelling. See, they was written down later, but it was foretold through these prophets because that was the only means of communication. Then it's God doing miraculous things because there was no books or nothing then. He had to do though. He had to speak through some audibly, not all of them, in an audible voice, voice through the thunder like Elijah or through a choir, through a storm like Elijah or through a quiet voice. God spoke through men then. See, a lot of that he done then, many churches try to say that's happening in the church today. You see where I'm going now, and it's not. There was a reason God done it that way, not just to be showing off and doing it, that was the only way to get his communication through these people, signs and wonders, which is not needed today. We have to believe by faith because we got the written word of God. Whatever God had to say now is all in his book now with how he done it in the past and how he's going to do it in the future. And we don't, under this dispensation, we don't need the signs and wonders and miracles. You see what I'm saying? Because we have the written word of God. We just believe it by faith. Uh, is, your, is that ringing a bell now? Is you getting something out of that? Okay, I'm going to read a few uh, verses uh, about signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm going to close out and, and uh, just talk about a few things. All right. Let's go to another scripture. What I want to read now. Now, this. Okay, you, since you know about that. Jesus earthly. What did Jesus come come to earth doing besides his teaching signs and wonders his healing raising the dead etc right there you know different things like casting out demons Isaiah prophesied that but what nation was he doing it through that's the second question I asked it was through the Jews it was through Israel it's in your Bible it was I don't care what translation it was it's through Israel if they the trend, the person that does a lot of different Bibles have to really manipulate that Bible to take that out. And if it's manipulated that bad, then you have a false, false demonic Bible. You have, and I think the NIV is one of them. You have a demonic Bible because, you, like I said, you take anything out, and if you water down the deity, that Bible is trash. You might as well throw it away. It's trash. That hurts, but I'm just being real. It's trash if it's watered out. And I don't care what Greek and Hebrew language you break it down. See, you really don't need that, but that's another teaching. In other words, when God was moving, doing signs and wonders and stuff like that, the majority of the people, uh, you know, except from the beginning, because that was the beginning, he had to do signs and wonders because there was only certain people on earth, which was only Gentiles. See, and uh, until the the, uh, the 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 created nation was born. See, now listen to what I'm just saying. The nation that was born. What nation was born in the Bible? Specifically, by God. 
Israel, the Jews, through the Gentile Abraham. He had to use the Gentile because there was no Jews. The only nation that was born in the Bible was Israel, the firstborn, spiritually the nation. Israel. So when you hear that term born again, only used, what, two times in the Bible, it refers to Israel, not the body of Christ, the church. Israel was the firstborn nation. And when they rebelled against God and turned their back on them, see, and left God like that, they lost all their reconciliation with God. So Israel don't have the authority. Israel is not one of the favored nations even today. They're blind today. They're not even a favored nation today. That does not neglect that they was the firstborn nation under God. But they just like any other Gentile nation today. They don't have no special privileges or nothing today. They are blind today. They are, they are temporarily put on pause. Remember I used that before. So it's no special. I don't care how I mean, much the United States try to take off of Israel. The Israel they're taking off for now, God is not using Israel. They are blind like everybody else. But that won't last after the church is gone then they will be made alive again. Their eyes will be, not all, but their eyes will be open. That's when the born again process comes in. That's when the born again, they will be then born or reborn. See, the born again church, kingdom church, is the Jews, not the body of Christ. You know, you can use it if you want to, but I'm just, my point is, just remember, the born again church is Israel. See, the body of Christ was never born. We was the creator. We was the new creatures. New means new, not again. We weren't refurbished. We was new. The body of Christ, the church over 2,000 years ago, it was new creatures, not born again. But I'm, I'm getting into, see, I can't ignore these things because... This is going to help you to understand the obesity that's in the church, the spiritual obesity that's in the church, you know. So remember that God worked signs and miracles through Israel. Why and who? Remember that. I hope you're writing this stuff down. Why and who? Who meaning what people he worked those miracles through. And he took down many nations. He done, he done a lot of things through these people, the Jews. Signs and wonders. You go through the judges. The judges, uh, I don't know all of them, but you, the most one judge that stands out is, of course, Samson. Okay? He was a judge over the tribe of Dan, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you have Gideon? You have Ehud? You have, you have a lady in there called Deborah. You have uh, Obed, the left-hander. You have many judges. Remember, Samuel was the last judge. You know, you have all these judges was used miraculously by God. See, but there was Jews. Things went forward because of the Jews, not the Gentiles. Things went forward because of the Jews. See, only time God came back to the Jews, I mean the Gentiles, is through the teachings of the Apostle Paul when he told them to go to the Gentiles. And the reason that happened because 
the atonement of Jesus, the finished works of the cross, which was only uh, revealed to the Apostle Paul. That was the only reason he went back to the world, Jews and Gentiles, mainly Gentiles. He went back to the world because he, that's how he was able to reconcile himself back to the world because of what Jesus done on the cross, the atonement. Boy, it's a lot I'm going to get into when it comes to forgiveness. See, many people don't know that. Why did God go back to the Gentiles? You know, because he was able. Before that, He God cannot look at sin. He cannot stand sin. And the world was had sin all over them that they had no way to stop doing because they had a sin nature because of Adam. That was taken care of by the atonement of Jesus. There was many atonements in the Bible through the sacrifices by the Jews, but this was the final atonement, which is Christ, of what he did. The final sacrifice. See, when you look at the past atonements, when the Jews had to sacrifice animals or do whatever what they had to do, their forgiveness was instantly until they sinned again. You see them saying it lasted for a certain time, but that forgiveness was instantly. So when Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected, the finished cross, forgiveness was applied instantly to the world. See, when the Jews made their atonement with their sacrifice, it was for their sins and other people's sins and stuff like that. You know, maybe family, whatever like that, mainly individually. You know, but when Jesus sacrificed himself, the final sacrifice, it was for the whole world and forgiveness was instantly. There was no turning back. They didn't, so man after that don't, didn't need to go back for, 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 for sacrifice, for forgiveness, because he took care of all sins for the world, past, present, and future. Okay. All right. Okay. So. Let me read some scriptures. Uh, yeah, let me let me read some scriptures. Now, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 10. Then I'm going to go to some older verses for a reason. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians, uh, which is the teachings of Paul. And we're going to talk about something. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it takes a long time to understand it. See, uh, was it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? I always forget. 1 Corinthians, I'm on second, sorry. 1 Corinthians, and you probably know where I'm going. Uh, okay. 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, 10. Many believers are familiar with this. They don't like to read it, especially if you're in a Pentecostal charismatic church. You don't like this chapter. <laughs> you don't like this verse. Most Pentecostals and charismatics don't like this verse. Why? Because it contradicts their teaching of signs, wonders, and miracles, and speaking in tongues, and stuff like that. Okay? This verse contradicts this. Okay, now let me read it first. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 10. 
But when that, okay, let's go above that. Okay, I, because it sounds goofy if I don't. Okay, let's go to three. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity. Now, King James says charity, which means love. And have not love, it profited me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaulteth not itself and is not puffed up. Now, reason uh, Paul is talking about charity so much because without that, any, any type of gift you have don't mean nothing without love. Okay. Verse 5 and 13. First Corinthians. Doth not uh, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Charity does not behave itself unseemly. I'm in verse 5 now. It seeks not her own. It's not using, you know, you notice uh, it's used as a female. You know, charity uh, seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked, thinketh not evil. Rejoices in the end of the day. Okay, let's get off charity and let's go to eight. Uh, let's go to nine. Very important. 13, 1 Corinthians 13 and 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Keep your mind on part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, verse 11, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, or when I grew up, I matured myself, I put away childish things. Okay, verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abided faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest is charity. Now, what I'm looking for is the season, the cease of signs and wonders. Now, what verse was that? Let me go back. All right. Let me let me try to find that. Okay. Because I wasn't really looking for that verse, but that still goes a long way right there. Okay. All right. Let's try to find this. I know my time is running short. I'll keep you guys long. Uh, let me see. All right. Well, anyway, what I was looking for, and okay. Let's go. Let's read 14. 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and 1. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy foretelling and stuff like that prophesied. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Okay? Verse 4 and 13, 1 Corinthians. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. But he that prophesied edified the church. Now, I'm not going to break down that because that's not what I'm going to get into now. I'm talking about signs and wonders. I, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Verse 6, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge? or by prophesying, or by doctrine. 
seven, and even things without life give it sound. Blah, 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 blah. Let's go a little further. All right. 11. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be with him and speak it in a barbarian, and speak it shall be a barbarian, barbarian to me. Even so you, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Okay? All right. <clears throat> 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayer, but my understanding is fruitful. Let me stop there because what he's talking about now is one of the biggest issues in the Pentecostal and charismatic churches, the speaking in tongues. Tongues in the Bible, especially King James, means language. Now, going through the kingdom program before it transferred over Paul's program and before it ceased off, tongues was another science and wonder through Israel before it transferred over and it, and it faded out. Okay, so I want you to understand tongues mean language. That was the unknown languages for the different nations, the Jews that was in other nations and stuff like that to understand their own language. Okay, 13. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Else, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall they do this? Let me just find that verse. All right. Brethren, verse 20, 1 Corinthians. 13 and 20, brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, with men and other tongues and other lips will I speak unto people, unto this people, and yet for all that will they fear not, excuse me, oh, this King James still tears my tongue up, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believeth not, but for them which believe. I'm going to do a teaching on that, uh, on connecting the dots. Not on body of Christ, we talk, but on connecting the dots. You can get some teachings on that and connecting the dots. If therefore the whole church come together into one place and everything, then he started explaining all that. Okay? All right. <clears throat> let me go further. Uh, let me see. All right. What am I looking for? It's, it's, it's amazing. My mind just go blank. All right. Well, anyway, there could be Second Corinthians. Uh, I forgot my verses. But that's not what I wanted to, I, I'm, I apologize for that, I wanted to talk about the teaching was about tongues. I wanted to get to the verse about when the gifts cease, and I'll find it later. But you know what verse I'm talking about. I just can't, I can't get it on my head now, shame on me. But it's talking about the cease of the gifts, you know, miracles, tongues, and stuff like that, prophesying, word of knowledge, and stuff like that. Remember that verse. If you know that verse, leave it in the comment or whatever like that. I really appreciate that. But I'll find it by then, you know, but that's not what I want to really stick on. My point is, I'm trying to lead you and get you to understand when the gifts stopped. Because there was a time when signs and wonders did stop. It stopped going into mid-acts. Mid-Acts, that's where a lot of dispensationalists 
called themselves mid-acts. They called themselves mid-acts believers for a reason because you had three different ways of looking at dispensationalism. You know, Acts 2, mid-acts between 9 and 13, then you got the uh, the Acts 28, uh, grace dispensational believers. But mid-acts, which is, which is more what I go with, the mid-acts between Acts 9 and 13, you will see the transition the beginning of the ending of the gifts, signs, and wonders start ceasing, going to the transition to the Apostle Paul, to the Gentiles. They stopped. Now, they followed through because Paul was using miracles and stuff like that as well, okay? Why? Because he's an apostle. He still has some gifts, some signs, and some some uh, healing power through the Holy Spirit because he was an apostle. Those was the gifts of the apostle. It wasn't for everybody, but those signs and wonders and healings and stuff like that was working through the apostles. They was the leader. So by Paul having the uh, the uh, the not what what should you call that the title and the uh, of an apostle. The gifts and signs and wonders came for him because of his entitlement. So he had the gifts and uh, healing and stuff like that early on. Now, remember, to listen to this very closely. Early on, he had it. See, but after it started fading away, it ceased because he talked about that. You know, it could be Second Corinthians, but I believe it's First Corinthians 14. I just missed it. I don't have time to really dig through it. I should have done a little bit of my homework, but you know it's there. You know what, verse, uh, what chapter and verse I'm talking about. When it ceased. Now, what I can talk about when he said we know in part. So, I wanted to go back there. <clears throat> For we know in part and we prophesy in part. What does he mean by part? What translation do you have? What do your translation say? But I'm, if you know my translation, what the King James uh, saying in part mean we we only know partially. See, this is Paul's early ministry. See, we at that time they only knew things in part because the word of God, the Bible, wasn't fulfilled yet. So they only knew things partially. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, now that's the controversial, controversial uh, verse that many believers, Protestants, you know, many believers, Protestants, Catholics, you know, whatever, get stuck on. Who is this perfect? But when that which is perfect is come, you have many people saying who this perfect was. I'm going to tell you who it's not. It's not Jesus. I'm going to tell you who else is not. It's not the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is already working through them. See, the Holy Spirit is already working through Paul and some of his followers already. So you're not waiting for the perfect to come. If it was the Holy Spirit, that's like a contradiction because the Holy Spirit is already working through them. That's how they are able to do what they do now with the gifts and all that now. It's through the Holy Spirit. They're not, that's how they're able to speak with different languages and able to do healings and stuff like that because of the Holy Spirit. So it could not be Jesus and it cannot be the Holy Spirit that they are waiting for. So, most grace teachers believe, and I somewhat believe it too, the perfect is the fulfillment 
of the Bible, the fulfillment of the word of God. See, the reason I believe that and many other grace teachers, when they taught it to me and different things like that, I kind of put it together. Yes, the perfect to me has to be the fulfillment of the word of God. I believe the fulfillment of the word of God is through Paul. I believe the, the final books of fulfillment was for first and second Timothy through the pistol Paul, because that's the time Paul got martyred. But he was more advanced then, and the word of God was fulfilled. That's when they started writing it. After that, it was fulfilled. So, look at it this way. Since the word of God was fulfilled, see, it wasn't in part no more. All the, all the word of God was fulfilled through Paul before he got martyred. The Apostle Paul, before he got martyred, the word of God was fulfilled. The written word of God fulfilled. I'm not saying it was translated, but I'm just saying the written word of God was fulfilled. I'm not talking about the King James Bible. I'm talking about the word of God. His message to the world was fulfilled before any Bible was made. The word of God was fulfilled. See, how did it get fulfilled? Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How did it get that far? Through men. Through prophets. Through all that. Mainly through signs, wonders, and stuff like that. So, since the word of God is fulfilled, and Paul saying these things will cease, you want to know why it's going to cease first. Okay, this is one of the reasons, the biggest reason why the signs and wonders ceased, and they're not for today. Because you got to remember, the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7, the stoning of Stephen. What happened after the stoning of Stephen? The Jews scattered everywhere except the apostles. The Jews scattered everywhere. When you read that, the Jews scattered everywhere. Okay. Except the apostles because they know they had to try to finish the Great Commission. You know, but they never, they made it never out. They, they wanted to finish the Great Commission, but they never made it. So, according to Romans 11, I believe it was Romans 11 or Romans 9, 11, something like that. Uh, Israel's program was stopped because that's, is, uh, uh, that's, that's like the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, but that was the final strike for Israel. See, started with John the Baptist. They killed him. 
They didn't believe the Father. They didn't believe the Son. They killed him, and they didn't believe the miraculous movement of the Holy Spirit. They killed Stephen. It wasn't so much a Stephen. It was the Holy Spirit they were refusing. You know what Jesus said about that? See, that was the final strike. That was like blasphemy. See, Paul, uh, God, I'm sorry, Jesus gave grace to Paul because Paul should have been wiped out because he blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. But God used Paul. That was the first movement through going out to the Gentile was the grace that God gave to Saul. Because Saul being under the law should have been punished too. But Paul, God used Saul. See, you have that change going into Acts 9. See, going into Acts 9. So, there was a beginning of the transition. It didn't stop completely. The beginning of the transition from signs and wonders that was only used through the Jews. Now, since it's going through the Gentiles, let me go back. Since the Jews program was put on hold, the kingdom program, because of their unbelief, Last strike was a, a stoning of Stephen, Acts 7, because of their unbelief. I know you're getting Bible study and body of Christ real talk. This is something I usually do on Connected the Dots. But I'm putting it, once in a while, I'm going to do Bible study here. I made it in my mind. I'm going to do once in a while Bible study on here about uh, body of Christ real talk. So let's enjoy it while you can. Hope you write these things down. Before, when Stephen got stoned in Acts 7, that was the final strike. God stopped the program according to Romans 9, 11, uh, Romans 11 to 25, I believe, 9, 11, 5. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I hate to just think about that stuff. I want to give you some scriptures to uh, back up what I'm saying. I just forget the scriptures. Uh, okay. Let's read 11. Go to Romans 11 so I can let the Bible talk for itself. Uh, I, I can explain it better. Let's go to Romans 11. Give me about, what, 15 more minutes? This is going longer than I thought, but I hope it's worth it. God says, and Paul says in Romans 11, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. In other words, of course not. For I also I am an Israelite. This is Paul talking now of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. Listen closely. Verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew, which he ordained, which he used, which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture said to in Elijah, Elias, Elias, I mean, you know, uh, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they see not, they seek my life. But what said the answer of God unto him? I have reserved myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Now, if you don't remember that, you remember what happened with Elijah when Elijah started hiding. He went off running from Jezebel, I believe, and he started hiding, and he was complaining about God. He was the only faithful one, and God had to let him know, yeah, I have other ones out there. In other words, make it plain, you're not the only one. I have other followers out there. That's what he's talking about. Verse 4, but what said the answer of God unto him? I have preserved to myself 7,000 men. This is what I'm going right here. God let Elijah know, you're not the only one, man. Get off your high horse. I have 7,000 other men out there as well. See, 
who have not bowed the knee to the thing image of Baal. Remember, never think you alone. God got other people out there. They might not be known to you, but there's other people out there. You're not. I'm not the only one. Five, even so that at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Okay, what remnant he's probably talking about? No doubt about that. There's a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more the works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. This is very important to remember. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. That's also a big confusion in the church. We are under grace, not of the works. So it's nothing we can do to please God. We are under grace. Jesus done it all for us. Otherwise, grace is no more when it comes to salvation. Grace is no more grace. But if it be a works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not attained that which he seeketh for, but for the election hath obtained and, and that rest and the rest were blinded. Now, this one, the blinded part comes in. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. Now, this is what's going on with Israel. Spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David said that their table be uh, prophesied about this, saying that their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Recompense me payback. Okay. So God said, Paul says, let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. In other words, God forbid, like I said, I mean, of course not. But rather, through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles. Now, what this is saying, Israel has, their program has been stopped. See, their eyes, they are darkened. They are blinded. Even today. See, they are blinded. And that's a bad thing for Israel. But it's a good thing for the Gentiles. Let me tell you why. Verse 11. I'm at Romans 11, 11. I say Romans 11, 11. Please write this verse down. Romans 11 and 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now remember that verse. What does this verse say? And what is Paul saying? The only reason the Gentiles are able, listen closely, to be saved today under the grace program is because of the fall and the postponement postponement of Israel's kingdom program. That's why I say it's bad for them, but it's good for the Gentiles. That's what this verse is saying in 11.11. Israel's program has been postponed. Israel is blinded. That's why the majority of the people in Israel don't believe in the, the Messiah came or Jesus is their king even today. They they fall more in the Torah, but you got all kind of other uh, wicked religions out there in Israel today. They're not God's people now. They are blinded even today. That happened thousands of years ago. See? So Israel's program was postponed. That made the way for the Gentiles. Okay, let me go to verse 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? You know, I'm not going to go any further than that because that's that's a whole new different teaching, but I wanted you to see that in Romans 11 and 11, the reason. See, now, what I want you to understand, what came, remember this is about signs and wonders. 
What came with Israel? Signs and wonder. God worked signs and wonders through the Jews, Israel. And I told you the reason why. Why and what people. So since that program was stopped, not annihilated, since that program was postponed, or I like to say put on pause or stalled, what also was stalled with it that's not needed for today? Signs, wonders, and miracles and healings. Because that was only for Israel to get them through. That's not needed today because we have the fulfillment of the word of God. See, we don't need the signs and wonders and miracles. We have the resource of resources. That's why the Bible said we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? We walk by faith. We believe what the word of God said because we have the written fulfillment book of the word of God now today. They have to walk by sight because they can only, they, they didn't have no written word. Their king and their written word was God and the signs and miracles and et cetera like that. So you, you see how that's opening up. So when that, when Paul talks about that and the Corinthians, all those things will cease. The reason they will cease because it's moving to another program. That program, those signs and wonders and miracles in different languages, tongues, it's not needed under grace. It's a whole new different gospel. That gospel was time passed for Israel. Signs and wonders and miracles was the Jews in Israel, not for the Gentiles and the world. You, you see where this is going now. Signs, wonders, and miracles was not for the Jews. I mean, not for the Gentiles. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to have to do another segment on this. Wow, because this is more than I thought before I get into forgiveness and uh, the bride of Christ and stuff like that. But I hope you get something out of this. But let me finish up this. You see the picture now. Signs and wonders cease, stopped. Uh, after the transition, after the blindness, according to 11.11, Israel is put on hold. Their kingdom program is put on hold for now. They're not annihilated. So that, that takes away the... Uh, because as you read, you continue to read the scriptures uh, in Romans, you will see Israel will be back. It's prophesied all through the prophets about the setting up at the, of the kingdom, okay, and stuff like that. You can read part part of that in the book of Joel. Now, what I'm going to do, uh, Lord's willing, on the next program, I'm going to talk about. You might want to ask, okay, is the signs and wonders and miracles ever coming back? Yes, they are. Through who again? Israel. Going through the tribulation and stuff like that and setting up the kingdom. You're going to have a lot of miraculous and stuff going on from the enemy and God. Because God going to pour down his ground. Remember, God is going to use two witnesses that I believe is Moses and Elijah. I can be wrong, but I'm not going to get into that. But it's just two witnesses. I just, that's, my, that's me thinking it's going to be Elijah and Moses. Because the Bible kind of talks about Elijah is coming back. So I believe it's Elijah. I won't know if it's Elijah and Moses. I can be wrong. Also, the 144,000 that's coming from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're not going to be, they're going to be the last witnesses to finish out the Great Commission, which was recalled, you know, the uh, Mark 16 and 16, that the Jews never got to finish. They will, it will be finished and going towards 
the end of tribulation in the millennium kingdom with the 144,000, that's 12,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel before the millennium kingdom. Then after the millennium kingdom, uh, you have the, uh, the, uh, uh, the end of times. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, eternity of eternities. You know, stuff like that. Well, Jesus will hand the keys back over to God, and God will be the theocracy or everything again. See, uh, uh, which is something many people don't talk about. They talk about the millennium kingdom, but it's something after the millennium kingdom. Remember, you're going to have a new heaven and a new earth as well. Because all earth and Second uh, uh, Peter talks about that will melt, melt away. You will have a new heaven and you have a new earth as well. But, you know, I don't want to go with that far. I want to, I'm going to get into are the signs and wonders going to return. Yes, they are after the church is gone, after the body of Christ get called away, the rapture. Then the kingdom program will return. Then the new covenant will come in fulfillment, the New Testament for the Jewish people. See, and at seven seven, then you have all kinds of signs and wonders happening again. But you have that middle part, which is the body of Christ, the church. Now, there's no signs, wonders, supernatural signs, wonders and miracles today. They was for the Old Testament Jews in the kingdom program, and they're going to be for the future. Remember time, uh, time pass, but now we're in the but now time. We're in the but now time. We're under grace. No signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe everything by faith. No signs, wonders, and miracles. There's no best life now for us like Joe Osteen preaching. Best life now on earth? No. No. Our best life is going to be in the heavenly places, not on earth. All this preaching about God, I want to pour blessings on you today is false teaching. No, the blessings are in the heavenly places. God is not doing all that today. You're doing that for yourself. God is not blessing nobody no more than other because you're doing this, you're doing that. No, that's just you doing it yourself. Remember, Satan can make you wealthy as well. He will camouflage as what? The angel of light. The Bible talks about that. So God is not blessing this person this way and bless no more that he's killing this baby and saving this baby. No more than what a Calvinist preaching tells you that God predestined salvation and he predestined someone to go to hell. All that is false teaching. John Calvin's and Ray Conference and Kirk Cameron. And I know you guys probably followed them, but no, that's not 
that's their Calvinist teaching, Lord salvation type of teachers and stuff like that. They preach what you must do. You must stop sinning. That's not the gospel of today. That's not the gospel of today. So science, they got sense enough to know there's no signs and wonders. They teach false doctrine somewhere else, but they got sense enough to know there's no signs and wonders today. They know that. They don't be preaching that. They know better than that. A lot of Baptists don't preach a lot of signs and wonders and stuff like that. They know better that that's not going on today. The, 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 the majority of the churches that usually preaches that besides the Catholic Church is Pentecostal Charismatics. They don't want hung up on still signs and wonders and tongues, mainly in the Catholic Church, but mostly in that Latin language. But the Pentecostal and the Charismatic Church are the biggest group of denominations that still stuck on signs and wonders and miracles more than any other denomination, even today. The, a lot of the other denominations have waking up. They know a lot of this stuff is not working. They might talk it, but they know a lot of this stuff is not working because a lot of things is not working in their life. They pray for family members. Family members still die, and I'm not trying to make things bad. People have gotten sick. People have lost their jobs. People are You have homeless Christians today around the world. You have Christians getting martyred today. You have Christians, people born deformed, or they was made their way through bad vaccines and medicines. See, you have lame believers today. You have lame Christians that cannot talk. I don't care how much you pray for them, they never get healed. You will hear a few stories and stuff like that, but those are just stories. You can look around and you know God is not doing signs and wonders and within the church. You know that. You have lost members. You have prayed for people. You have lost a job. Whether it's from your doing or not your doing. And God wasn't there. See, our blessings as the church is future. Is future. See, Paul got sick. Paul had bad eyes. Epaphroditus was sick. Paul prayed for him. It's a few of them he left sick because there was no healing going on later on in Paul's ministry because it ceased. You didn't hear him talking about tongues no more in none of his letters. His 13 letters, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear nothing about tongues and all that stuff because they was gone. They were ceased. Did you ever pay attention to that? If you read Paul's letters, those are the letters we're supposed to be following today. We're under grace. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, I'm going to end it right there. But I want you to know the next time I'm going to go into conclusion and tell you, read a few scriptures that's going to, I'm going to show you by scriptures that signs and wonders will return. But it's going to be through who? Again. Israel. See, it's going to be through the Jews. It's going to be through the Israel. God is going to do a lot of signs and wonders. Remember, the enemy is also going to get kicked out of heaven, the second heaven, Satan. And he's going to come down upset with wrath. So it's going to be a lot of weird. You think things are going on now that's weird? There's going to be a lot of weird things going on. If you are left here, I'm not going to be here. And you better hope you that you don't. Don't be here. So I'm not worried about what happened in the tribulation period. I can just tell people if they're left here, it's going to be harder for them to be saved because it's going back to works 
and what they have to do. And they're going to take a chance of getting beheaded. See, it's going to be one world leader. See, it's setting up now for the one world government now. You know, uh, WEF and Gates and all them, all this stuff, they getting set up for the one world order now. Worldly. The one world order is going in play now. It's The stage is getting set now for this Antichrist. See, that's why I believe within five years, I believe the body of Christ will be gone because the body of Christ, the church, is not going through the tribulation. That's a promise from God. And I believe that. See, I believe that. All right. Until next time, this is Joseph Brownlee, body of Christ, real talk teaching on signs and wonders. I don't know everything, but the scriptures that I find, thank you a lot of leaders that I listen to, the scriptures that I find is biblical Bible based. See, I might not be the best uh, person that explains it. You know, I have other leaders that can explain it better, but I do the best way I can to make it plain as I can so you can understand how to rightly divide and why the church is so confused and so spiritually overweight with traditions and dogmas and programs. And it's trying to be Israel. And these things are just not happening. I will conclude with signs and wonders on the next program. And then I'm going to get into something that's more controversial, but true. Most of the things that are real true, just like people call these conspiracy theories, when they start saying it too much, you know it's true. When they fight against it, you know it's true. It's the same with what I'm talking about, and it's the same when I get into issues like forgiveness, uh, signs, wonders, and miracles, and whatever is tithing, it's going to be a resistance the same way. And usually if it's a big resistance, that means it's true. The majority of the time it means it's true. Because... What dominates the world when it comes to truth? Their truth, the majority. Even in the Bible, God didn't work with the majority. He worked with the minority. As in numbers, God worked with less numbers. Even what he done through Gideon, and that's another good story. That's another uh, uh, wonder and miracle God through. As Gideon with only 300 men, destroyed over 20,000 20, people. See, those... But who were they? They was Jews. Okay. Until next time, I'm going to get into uh, recent for some more scriptures and I'm going to hit it back home with what white signs and what, what must we do without the signs, wonders, and miracles? How God is using us without signs, wonders, and miracles? And why is he using us without that? Why we do not need it? It's very almost simple. I just explained that we have the full word of God. We don't need it. Why? Because God has already told us what's going to happen. You don't need nobody to prophesy about the future. The Bible tells us what's going to happen. He even tells us what happened in the past. He tells us what's going to happen in the future. And I'm not talking about individual lives. I'm talking about spiritual according to the word of God. It's already explained and built out in the word of God. So you don't need nobody prophesying the word of knowledge. Anybody that tells you to have a word for God, it ain't from God. God is not giving nobody no prophecy and telling nobody no new thing. He's not worrying about individual nations and how to move his nation and what president should be president or this politician. God is not into none of that. That's all man-made. Satan is the God of this world, folks. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. God is not involved in none of this stuff. God is not causing none of this stuff, and he's not stopping it. Ouch. I know that hurts. 
if God was still in charge of the earth, you think all this stuff would be happening? Of course not. If you know the God of the Bible, you know this stuff would not be happening if God was the God of the earth. Now, God would not reign again on the earth and take over until after the tribulation. Going through the tribulation, after the tribulation, then the millennium kingdom will be set up. Beautiful millennium kingdom. But until then, God is allowing all things to happen. He's giving people time to still be saved by grace. No signs, no miracles, no wonders. I don't care how many much people talk about that. That's the enemy, and that's the flesh. If people got healed, they got healed by their own bodies. It's certain medicines. It's certain body times your body get healed, if certain things happen, then these things happen demonically. Like they did in the past. Satan does false miracles, signs and wonders. So be careful. And don't try to force things like it's God doing it. No, it's not. Ouch. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Some more Real Talk. Love you all. Bye-bye. Peace out. I kept you long, but I hope you got something out of it. Get your pen and paper ready because I'm not through yet. God bless you. Bye-bye. Peace out. Love you. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.